0: There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to Old Marketing School. This summer, if anybody doesn't know yet, is actually known as the Rat Girl Summer. I just told Becca and she was really excited about this uh, to kind of know that this is where we are living. Um, Becca, I know I only give you a preview of what Rat Girl Summer means, but could you give us a bit of an understanding from your point of view, what does it feel to, to live in the Rat Girl Summer? <laughs> Not the hot girl summer, everybody, the rat, like the mouse. Yeah,
2: Hot Girl Summer is gone. Rat Girl Summer is here. I feel like I feel like it's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's just here. I feel like you know the size sums it up, doesn't it? Really, just Rat Girl summer. It's like that's how you feel. It's the vibe, the vibes off. You just want to hide, scurry away. Was it you said earlier about snacks as well? I'm here for that. Just get some snacks, go and hide, ignore reality.
1: <laughs> and come back. I also felt, and I don't know the listener if you resonate with us, and also you, Becca, if you resonate with me, but I also felt in the last month despite having been on holiday myself so like hypocritical much everybody but i felt like there is honestly the uh, holiday content the holiday posts, the holiday love has been almost like hyped to the level of kind of internal desperation for so many people be like <laughs> oh my god i'm away i am here i am done i knew intuitively that 2022 was a year of a transition, I think, for a lot of us. We were still kind of understanding what to do. And there was an element also for, I think, the online space to thrive in a way. And new mm-hmm. things were coming up. And I feel, sadly, between the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, first of all, so many businesses that I knew in the wellness space, which used my used to be my old industry, are gone. But yeah. in general, I can see so much has really landed in twenty twenty three in a rat girl summer way. <laughs> so I don't know. Is it just me that feels this kind of like I really need a holiday and therefore when I'm on holiday the world will know that I'm away and I'm enjoying <laughs> myself because I deserve it.
2: No, I, I I'm completely with you on that. I went away a few weeks ago as well and did that terrible thing of like the last two days or so was already thinking like, oh no, I've only got two days left. I've only got one day left. And then I feel like I was more preoccupied by the fact it was ending than actually enjoying it. And then literally landed back in the UK and was like, I need to go again. I need to find another way to escape, let
1: me out. I can't do it. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast where we provide you with joy, (laughs) fun and excitement. Actually, no, scrap that. We provide you with realness. That's what you want. That's what you hear. Mm-hmm. That's what we give you. Mm-hmm. Becca is back. Excuse the pun. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> to bring that the realness. So I, I'm very, very excited about that. And to be honest, we have had um, a couple of weeks of... We're well, we going to have a couple of weeks of a break from the fresh news. We're actually going to do a bit of a um, memory lane in the next couple of weeks. So today we thought we were going to pack in a lot of things because... What I've seen as well, aside from Twitter, which is going to be our first point of call, everybody, unsurprisingly. But a lot of platforms, what they've been doing, they've been testing. This is the time of testing and teasing, which yeah. to me kind of makes sense strategically because so many people are going to dive deep into things like YouTube Maybe testing thumbnails, which we'll talk about. You know, so I can see a lot of platforms be like, I'm going to test this thing. I'm going to try this thing. And they're all coming out with all these little things that you spot when you're going to do a bit of digging. So I'm excited. But first, Becca, first. Drum roll. (laughs) Twitter. I don't know if we deserve a drum roll. (gasps) I don't know if we deserve a drum roll, everybody. Yes, we are back. Every time we talk about Twitter, I think a little bird dies. Literally. Oh,
2: that's really upsetting. (laughs)
1: That's a terrible image. I'm sorry, everybody. It just sends Um, its last tweet and then it's gone. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look at it this way. Like, a last tweet goes unheard. Actually, currently, that could almost be the case. Let me tell you what's been going on, everybody. So a lot of things have been going on. Um, when it comes to like the overall Twitter um, soup or drama, I so to speak, what has really caught my eye has been uh, a usage limit. Now, I'm going to explain to you how I understood it and how I read it, but Twitter is implementing something called the usage limit. It is to combat data scrapers, which in a tech term makes sense. Obviously, like the idea behind the press release version of the explanation is really about making sure that we can obviously provide better quality and, you know, combat overuse of AI and things like that. However, what it means in reality, regardless of that, is that we're actually having a certain limit of posts that we can do and posts that we can view and everything is getting quite murky. What's interesting is, as always, we have verified account that can post a certain number of times and then other accounts can post a certain number of times. But also there are other things that they are potentially looking to gatekeep or even slow down when it comes to the consumption of Twitter as well. For example, non-log users cannot view tweets anymore. There's a lot of things that they're kind of brewing in and they're kind of changing And I understand that in some ways. Like, this is also, again, to protect the platform and its use. But then part of me is also, we have been again and again and again, Elon, if you're listening, probably you're not, but where again and again and again goes against what Twitter used to be every single Mm -hmm. time. We made it longer. And then now we're doing this. And it's all about quick consumption of a lot of content. And now we are not able to do that as much anymore. I'm just confused and I am frustrated. And... uh, Even if I understand the press release reason for it, I also don't know how it's going to give the security to the Twitter users that the platform is going to get better or the platform is still going to serve them. Or if it's going to become literally a self-serving circle of the five people that you talk to all the time, they're going to see your tweets. And that's going to be what you're going to... It's like Twitter purgatory. That's what it is. Anyway, this is is my rant. This is my (laughs) rant. Um, Becca, what do you think? I know that there's something else that is happening, I believe, from the back of this which is really interesting we just uh just puts you know more things into the fire isn't it
2: it does yeah so tweet deck is goodbye get out of here unless you're a subscriber so combined with what you've just said there about how unless you're subscribed to twitter blue and all of that's good stuff Saying good stuff is it good I um, question mark um you won't be able to use TweetDeck, which I'm sure most people listening to this will have used at one time or another. It's been a great way if you're just doing a bit of social listening, but also it's particularly handy if you're at an event and you want to monitor what's going on in real time. It makes it super easy. Like, I am a big fan of TweetDeck. And I remember hearing rumours of this a few months ago, like, oh, they're going to get rid of it. And I thought, surely not. Surely. Like, Elon, come on. You, you must have some like understanding of what people like and no it is going and i just don't think that the offering for being a subscriber is great enough that's going to convince people to go for it just to get tweetdeck despite tweetdeck being really good and i don't know how you feel as well but all of these these actions at the moment are just making me lose any enthusiasm for the platform and confidence in it as well so now like maybe a year ago I would be like, oh, things are happening. Like, especially when talking to clients and stuff, I would say, be cautious, but can't get that bad, can it? And now I feel like every time we talk about it, it has got worse. And now
1: I'm like, stay away from Twitter. Don't risk it. I think it's one of those things as well. I love what you said there. I think it's one of those things as well, where more than ever, going back to uh, our initial little rant about what 2023 has been going anyway, I think we have been a lot more mindful with our time because I felt there's some other platforms uh, and I'm looking at you Instagram as well, but not only even LinkedIn, just for example, they have demanded more time because they have evolved and some, and most of them, not even in a bad way, like even Instagram has done some good things, actually refining and taking out because of that. Again, I think more than ever, we are a bit more selective about where we show up. I've seen it. I've heard a lot of people saying that as well. And so... If Twitter became, before actually was, when I was talking to a lot of our guests as well, you know, a platform that people enjoy because they can show up, they can engage, they can talk to people and then they can move on. And it's kind of that familiarity of it. You know, you kind of know Twitter is not going to go crazy anytime soon. Now, because you lost that familiarity and, um, you know, that reliability almost of the platform, then you're like, what is really the point? Also, sorry, just to add one more thing, because I forgot about this bit as well. A couple of weeks ago, they started saying they were going to free up usernames or kind of delete accounts of usernames that were inactive, so then you're also fear mongered by being active because if you're not, bye buy account so it's just it's just a contradiction after a contradiction in my humble opinion i agree it it
2: feels like it's not serving the majority of users at all. it's just a turn off and would make you think, Oh, I don't want to invest my time in this space or Exactly as you say, fear mongering. There was another thing as well going around the other day, and I'm not sure. I haven't heard much officially about it, but about people's accounts having limits put on them for seemingly spammy behaviour. And it's just like you're you're scaring off like the average user. There's no you. you, Didn't have to be that way. You know, it could have just carried on and become this place. So, I'm. I think you're right. I think the perception of other social channels is really changing at the moment, and they're all being seen as a lot kind of better and in a much more positive light twitter just seems to be attracting all the negativity and yeah i feel like as i said
1: every time we talk about it we, we we're running out of the good points you know
2: <laughs> twitter is like oh it's all bad
1: now and in the meantime meta swings in and eventually chooses on a name for its twitter alternative called shock shock threads <laughs> which to me is such a slap in the face He's like, you know that that feature that people love and that format that works really well on Twitter? Slap, slap. That's going to be the name of the app. I mean, the other contenders were Barcelona. Fine, random, but fine. And P92 or eighty two. Listen, I don't hate me. I don't remember the number. But I was still like, mm, I'm going to be on P82. Everybody's like, mm. what? But Threads, <laughs> I just love the sass. <laughs> I just love the sass, the sass. Choosing Threads as a name, I think is such a sassy move. And I kind of hate to love it, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
2: i think it's great because i feel like in the past we've had you know our doubts about instagram when they've copied features from other platforms and oh are they copying tiktok are reels going to take off this that and the other and now i feel like everyone's really pro instagram and likewise so am i because i'm like yeah threads number one we've got SAS. number two all my audience is already going to be there like i feel like it's going to be pretty seamless for a lot of people to just switch over and there's none of this everything that we've spoken about so far about the limits about capacity that's not going to be a worry so when are we downloading threads huh when can that happen
1: I was gonna ask you actually and I was gonna echo you and I think it's such an incredible point and a very important point for any marketer out there the upper end annoyingly in a way because then it becomes a monopoly but it's also the upper end is that these are sub platforms that can tap into your existing audience in a way or the existing community. And as we talked in the past, again, you have to go to the archives, everybody, but if you listen to back in my um, chats about Clubhouse, when Clubhouse started going down Mm. and all these things, a lot of these platforms that were new and they were not TikTok, let's be honest, Um, they come in and then they're asking you to direct people somewhere else in a new place. And so unless you really boom out, I, I I believe in the first week or two, and you have an extra 10,000, 10, let's say, or people in a hundred thousand, amazing, mm. you know, engaged uh, members and audience, then it's really not worth it. Like part of me, you know, in a in the most loving way, is curious to see how many people are currently tuning in on, on Clubhouse. Maybe I should look because the app is offloaded, but it's there. Just having a little look, how many people are actually tuning into the rooms, you know? So I think what you said is also how I think if, I know that there's an audience that I can just say, hey, you know, I'm on this app, but, you know, it's easy because, you know, it's by the same followers or network or whatever. Why not? You know, it's just the, the hurdle of having to create something new. And I think that's maybe where places like Blue Sky, I don't know how it's going, but I haven't seen it in the headlines. And I think that's part of it is because then you're still moving everybody else to somewhere else. Plus you add this invite malarkey, which we know with Clubhouse just became a bit of a faff. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. That's how I see it. So, um, I mean, I'm intrigued to see where where Threads goes, to be honest, if it catches on, if it doesn't. The last thing I'm going to say, and I want to hear your opinion on this as well, is that also then Instagram, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, introduced broadcast channels, which means that it kind of makes me think, though, you know, how does Thread fit within that, being broadcast channels already more of a conversational, obviously it's more broadcasting, but... You know, so that's going to be interesting, like how they're going to all operate together and actually how much this is going to impact the Twitter's future. Where do you see Twitter in the next six months? That's what I'm going to ask you to finish off this bit.
2: <laughs> Where do I see Twitter? I think with Twitter, there's going to be more and more negative attention. I think users are going to become increasingly frustrated with the lack of, I think, it feels like Twitter aren't listening to the user base. And I feel that that's gonna become a real frustration and people will just look elsewhere. And I I do think, like you said, a lot of platforms have come and gone recently or they still exist, but you know we don't hear about them. It's, oh, I created an account and I maybe posted once and then forgot about it. I think with threads, that's gonna have a real, like quite severe impact on Twitter's popularity. And it is. I think it's only gonna take one thing whether that be like a worldwide event or like a big TV show or something where people want to engage through text real time and they don't want to go to Twitter, where are they going to go to? They're going to go to Thread. So I think that like in the next six months, maybe a little swap. It's also funny to me as well because we can think about so much how, um, oh, video content is so important and that's been the way things have been going. And now it feels like there's lots of scrambling to create like the best text platform. We're just like cycling through year by year, like, oh, this year it's audio, this year it's
1: video, and now we're back to text. Like, what will be next year? <laughs> It constantly changes, but you know what, one thing that I tried, kind of to, to also dive into another topic that we talked about, which is video, talking about the video element, one thing that I tried, um, was, it, was it this week at the time of recording, so at time of listening, is going to be this week, if you listen when it comes out, I actually put one of the videos that I do for my Instagram at FabGiovanetti, just in case, um, I put it also on my LinkedIn uh, because it's actually done relatively well it's vertical but I was like okay, I ain't got no time and I just pop it out there and actually it got quite a nice uh, like the view count and kind of like their element uh, also the engagement went relatively well so I find that there are platforms like LinkedIn where you can actually choose almost your formats among the ones that you want and there will be there can be some great results but I think it's just nailing the delivery and nailing the format within the format. There is a guy that only does video on LinkedIn. Sophie talked about it last week on the podcast and he does great. And literally they're very unique kind of videos, not the usual ones that you would see. You know, so I find that it's kind of an interesting space where some platforms are honing a format like TikTok, please stay on video. Some platforms are kind of exploring the different formats and different ways to kind of create a content. Instagram is also like that. I generally believe, I I don't know what you think, but I believe that you could do video only or mainly or image only or mainly like carousels and stuff. And equally have great response. It really does depend on kind of how you package the content, what the audience Mm -hmm. wants and also what can you create. But then there also are platforms like YouTube, which I found based on a piece of news you're gonna bring to us, that also are reassessing their strategy. And I think they're they're almost getting a third at this point to rebirth. It's like YouTube had a rebirth in the creator space for creators, And now we had a bit of a moment of like, oh, hello. And I think a couple of the things that have been changing are because people that are outside the natural kind of target for YouTube are starting to think about, should I be here doing my videos? What are your thoughts? And also what is coming up as well that is potentially shaking up a bit the YouTube space? Tell us all.
2: Yes. So as you say, I think YouTube has taken positive steps in the right direction to help creators rather than feeling like, they're against them and because i feel like that was a big issue for a lot of creators for a long time and then it would start to cause problems with should uh, creators stay on that platform should they investigate other places i feel like twitch was up there at one point and now things are settling down but the big thing that is happening is thumbnail a b testing sounds really obvious like oh i'm sure lots of creators do that and they do but at the moment it's very manual process and i think it's something that can be potentially not overlooked as such, but there weren't the tools in place to make that a seamless experience. Whereas now you're going to be able to upload a couple of versions, test it, get the data. Um, Obviously, like all these things, it will roll out very gradually. So we might all have to wait a little while. But um, I think putting that kind of engagement first and giving the creators that data again, like taking away any barriers, letting them reach their audience in the best way possible. Because I think that's another thing that I've seen um, spoken about in the creative space is where people feel like, you know, I've got this audience, but my latest video hasn't reached my top 10 videos or it's just dropping and I don't know why. And this is, you know, thumbnails play such a crucial part in that discovery process. Um, and I think, you know, yes, you've got two elements of it. YouTube is sort of focusing a lot on YouTube shorts now where it's more just like bam, 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 you're scrolling, so thumbnails are less important. But the traditional video, as it were, is still huge. And if you're on desktop or mobile, thumbnails are important. So I think this is a really good step in the right direction of that, like creator and platform relationship. Um, And hopefully, just looking broadly at other platforms as well, LinkedIn, they've got creator tools, which add a little bit more insight into what you're actually doing. So maybe this is a movement across all the channels to kind of make things a bit more transparent and put it in the hands of the creators more so that technically, right, in theory, what this should mean is that everyone gets better content. So
1: (laughs) this should be quite a good thing. I love that. And I think think it really reflects where we're going on on a deeper level from an industry perspective. For example, we all know the importance of personal branding. We all know there's some people dread personal branding it's kind of funny it was um again on twitter i was there and um talking to lucy hall shout out to lucy um uh, on twitter uh, from digital women and she was like oh i hate doing personal branding on my own i, I love doing the stuff for the company but not for myself and i said well my only way to do it and the way that i do it that works for me is actually make it what i wanted to make and make it more about me sharing what i'm learning or my journey in a format that works for me Instead of thinking about this is what I have to do, I have to sit down and write a post about something that I think is specific because it wouldn't help me then feeling prompted to do it. And I find that maybe it's a bit because of the wave of tech layoffs over the last two quarters, maybe it's a bit because of, you know, the, the creator economy shifting, but still being quite strong because for a lot of people it, I find currently is the only option to get visibility Even if it's not a career choice, for some of us, it's just a way to actually kind of build the expertise. So I think there's this blend of personal brand and the creator element is not just the creator educator or the creator business owner. It's also the creator professional that might still have a job or they might want to look for like a quote unquote normal job. And because of that, all the platforms are starting to kind of cater for that storytelling piece. That's how I see it. I don't know if I'm, again, projecting based on what people are telling me and what I see from a smaller perspective obviously of my network and the people in our community like the students but I don't know that's what I've been seeing a lot and I don't know if it's something that I've just seen myself
2: no I think I think you're definitely onto something and I think as you say personal branding can feel a lot like guesswork in the early stages when you're finding out what works for you what types of content you're going to enjoy making um because ultimately you need to do that if you're going to remain consistent otherwise we've all been there where we we're like oh i'll try this thing and then you know a week or two later it starts to feel like such a chore because you've you've done what you feel you should rather than what you want to so i think this is all just about tying that together and equipping people with okay here's a, a format that you might like you know i think youtube as well feels although it's video It feels quite safe to a lot of people because it's been around for a long time. So it can feel like quite a natural first place if you're going into or that's where you're deciding to start off your personal brand or add to, you know, whatever activity your existing um, accounts have. So I think it's I think it is going to be really powerful and just kind of going, okay, here's, here's what you've got. Here's how you can just make it better. And again, that transparency as well. Personal branding is difficult. So anything that is making it easier um and also making individuals feel valued like again i think that relationship between youtube and the creator going hey we'll create this thing for you it's not really going to benefit us this is going to help you on your um you know content creation journey as it were
1: and then i found that's actually also will help tiktok as well mm-hmm. like the approach that they took with a lot of the things they they did was based on that, and like, this is what the creators want to keep asking us for, so we are going to give it to them. And I think it really, I can see that working for YouTube as well, being very much creative first, obviously alleged in what they say, um, but I definitely see that being a case. Again, I'm excited because we have dabbed into YouTube and I'm learning more about it because video is such a natural format for us, being that we teach on video online. We teach on video live. Uh, we teach hopefully more in person as well. So that energy kind of comes across from the video format. So it just makes sense for us to explore that. It is a tougher space. I want to say for anybody that's listening, that's like, oh, you're going to be pumped up about YouTube. Um, but it's an exciting one because even how to grow on YouTube or what works, because the creators that have done it are very transparent about what works for them. I think it's actually a really interesting space to grow because um is less about just the quick fixes and there's like a lot of kind of interesting conversations going becca you're the only person i haven't asked There has been a regular co-host in the last couple of months or i haven't talked to too much about ai so i'm gonna bring it in because i talked i talked to so many people about ai i talked so much about ai but uh, I think it's a conversation that we uh, keep have and we should keep on having because it's having a huge impact in what we do and is obviously now being introduced in all the platforms that we know and love. So I wanted to ask you first and foremost to kind of start this bit of the conversation, is there anything that has jumped out for you when it comes to you know AI and the world of social media? Any features, any things that have been happening when it comes to AI? So I saw that LinkedIn are... Uh rolling out some
2: AI features um, which doesn't surprise me because I do feel like I've managed to keep my LinkedIn feed mostly AI free and that's not because I don't like AI I'm sort of fascinated by it but I also want to like you know keep on top of other things um so I'm not surprised though that it's become part of the creation process and recently we saw LinkedIn, um offer up prompts to users and this is just kind of like a a building on that so now you'll be able to and this is what i like about it you'll have to give your own opinion or your own prompt own prompt in your own words before it will give you any ai generated content which i think is good and i know that might sound obvious like well yeah of course you can give it a prompt but i think that's one danger or one risk with when we're talking about ai on social You don't want everyone's posts to just become like this churned out, you know. Oh, I I need to write, let's say, three posts today. I'll just put them all in an AI generator, and there's no like substance there, you know. It's not it's not got that human side to it. So I do appreciate that it requires your own thoughts, and I also think that will hopefully, let's see how it rolls out, but hopefully keep things interesting as well. Because I I follow the people I follow on LinkedIn for a reason. I don't want it to just become a way for people to not show like their personality on LinkedIn for example. Um, but I think it's interesting that and I've seen it through some social media scheduling tools that they've now incorporated AI which I think is great. Um, this is the first one that I'm aware of that's actually like LinkedIn have been like here it's in the platform it's right here obviously again like the YouTube thing it's probably going to take ages for it to roll out to all of us. Um, but I do wonder if now LinkedIn has kind of openly said, yeah, we're, gonna, we're accepting of AI, we're just going to roll with it. Can I imagine Twitter doing that? Probably not, but maybe.
1: <laughs> I could see potentially prediction hat is on. Ding, ding, ding. By the way, every so we bring them back with other co-hosts. And if you're a dear listener, a very loyal one, you will remember our hats because they came at the very beginning of the pod, but some newer yeah. co-hosts, I'd be confused when I bring a hat on, uh, but Becca knows because Becca is the OG, so she remembers the hats. So prediction hat is on. Clink! Um, <laughs> I can see for platforms, I'm thinking actually Pinterest, little guy, we haven't talked about Pinterest Ooh. in a while. I can see Pinterest using AI for um, recommendations and like, you know, because they already have it in their algorithm. Remember, algorithm is based on robots. So, hello. So actually, when we think about that, obviously it's a completely different type of AI. It's not conversational. It's not generative. uh, generative, But it's still AI. So I could see Pinterest actually kind of amping up their experience with kind of some more AI-driven choices maybe or even... Almost like Bing and Google are starting to use AI for their choices. I wouldn't put it past Pinterest to do it as a way for like search, kind of like that social search engine element. I think that could be really exciting to actually suggest the right pins and kind of make it more of a conversational element to then recommend other pins and then it creates this experience. That would be really fun, in my opinion. Um, One of the things that I have found is that you can use the AI in the way that you see fit once you learn how to use it. And then it's down to your values and your ethics, to be very, very honest, how then you use it. So you use it to completely take over what you do and make it yours. You use it. I use it a lot for research and kind of breaking things down or even summarizing things that I have wrote right is, is just literally saving my life. So it's like we talked about it in our cohort. Last cohort we did, we had a conversation in a panel. And all the panelists, interestingly enough, were using it a lot for the tedious tasks, that marketers have to face when it comes to automations and, you know, simplification and streamlining more than necessarily the AI speak for them. And I think that's where it can stop a lot of people from even trying to understand whether they want to use it or how they want to use it, because you think about it that way, because that's honestly how it all burst with the images element, with the art element, which is obviously from an ethical standpoint is... Despicable, and it's important that that was discussed. But because of that, that then there's been, um and we talked about it quite a few times before. It's hard because if we don't teach or understand or learn how it works or how it can work, then we can still say, "I'm not going to use it because I just don't need it and I don't want to partake in it." Or we can say, "I want to use it, but in a way that is transparent and be, um, yes, we do use some form of support from AI. We use it for our research. We use it for whatever." Um, and I think that's a way to do it. Fun fact. And then I want to hear your opinion on this. Uh, I'm not going to put in the show notes because I read it a month ago and God knows where it, where it is. I read it on holiday because I use Meek all the time. So I read my newsletters on holiday. But it was interesting start from my newsletter. 72% of users would require or request that brands show whether they use AI in their content or in their business or not in order to build trust. 72 percent
2: you know so count me in that i would like to know if something i'm reading or watching probably reading more so i would not want to know if ai's had part of it because also the same way that you you know if there's a particular writer whether it be a newsletter or an article or a book even you kind of have a certain level of respect for them and their, you know their craft you know they've put a lot of time into it i would want to know like has this not has it helped them out? Again, I think there's a there's a line between like where the ethical side of it comes in. But yeah, what I'm you know making sure that people are real, if that makes sense. I don't want um, you know news outlets, for example, to just start generating lots of pretend people, and it turns out it's all just been written by AI. Some definitely almost do that already, um, but. <laughs> i don't want like our social media feeds just to become lots of aIs just talking to each other can you imagine when
1: and we're just like hey it's like what am I gonna do now just watching videos of rat girl summer again it's it's a thing people (laughs) just find them on instagram and you will I don't know if you will thank me but you might lose half an hour of your friday and then you can blame me if you're listening to this on friday I accept that um well you know we actually covered a a scope of a lot of things so first of all thank you for joining us in this wild ride in order to finish off I want to celebrate something before we close. So before we close, I'm actually going to add a little segment, which is back. It's been slowing down a bit, but we are back with some exciting things. The podcast interviews are going to come back in September, but we do have other segments coming up. And this week, we're actually bringing our amazing graduate and she's also a student of our Uh, student community and course library, Monica. Uh, I want to introduce you to her because she's amazing. She graduated in the 2023 winter cohort and she's going to say hi, share some of her knowledge. She is all about launches and systems as well and launch strategy. So she has some good things to share with us. And also tell tell us a bit about her experience in the cohort because, drum roll again, applications are open for September. I don't know if anybody can hear the drum roll. If not, imagine it because I'm doing it with my fingers. Um, so I thought we celebrate. So September is coming. Last cohort of the year is coming. We do two a year. So yay. So we're celebrating with Monica, bringing back one of our alumni to share a bit of our knowledge, her expertise, and also her experience. So listen to that before we come back and say bye. And obviously, tell you what you can find out more and ask us any questions.
3: Hi there. I'm Monica. I'm a marketing coach, and I help new entrepreneurs create that perfect marketing messaging to attract their dream clients and sell out their offers. I have a real passion for helping other stay-at-home moms like me or other entrepreneurs that are still maybe working their nine-to-five or they've already started a business, but they're struggling to make sales, they're struggling to launch their program properly, to attract the right audience. And so I'm here to empower them to show up consistently in their business, to focus on the right priorities, on the right things to actually get to that first sale or increase their sales if they're struggling and just help them, you know, navigate these crazy emotions and ups and downs uh, related to building a business. So I started my business when my son was four months old and so I went through So many obstacles and challenges and ups and downs in my own business. And I want to help people that, you know, are maybe in the same situation as me or that just are ready to go all in in their business. And they're not quite sure how to get there, how to do it, right? What to focus on and how to talk to their audience and how to attract um, those dream clients that are ready to buy their offers and are amazing to work with, right? So one thing that made my marketing better is properly understand how to represent myself as an entrepreneur to my audience because most times we are taught how to talk about our ideal client and get to know that ideal client so well inside and out and use language that attracts them, use a messaging that attracts them, right? Um, We're taught about how to talk about our offers, our programs, our services, our products, and how to sell those. But not many people talk about what really enables your audience to connect with you, what really helps your audience read that report and Become a fan of your work, of yourself, of you, what you represent. Because most times it' not, people buy from other people that they relate to, that they enjoy listening to, that they enjoy learning from, right? And, and this is something that I feel is not talked about enough. And there are very few coaches that focus on this. And this is something that in the course that we did in positive marketing, we touched on this, on what is our brand identity? How do we want to represent ourselves in our business, especially for a business like mine, right? I'm a marketing coach. So I am the face of my business. And so it helped me understand how to sell myself (laughs) as a person and express what I stand for, express my values in my content and connect that deeper, create that deeper relationship with my audience and with my clients by properly communicating my personality, what I stand for, what my brand represents, how I make my clients feel more than just what I teach them to do, but how do I make them feel? Because that's also so important Especially when building a business, you have to step out of your comfort zone, and so that's a big part of coaching and mentoring. It's not just giving the theory, but you have to also empower people to actually take action and show up for the business. And by expressing who I am and how what it means to work with me, how is it to work with me? How does it feel? And for my audience to be able to envision. Or the, 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 the process that we're going to go through, um, it, helps. it helps them to understand me better. It helps for them to relate to my convictions, my values, my points of view, my personality better. And so I'm able to create a community and not just a following on social media and have that better relationship with my audience and my clients. So one thing that I unlearned or had to unlearn is that I don't have to be perfect. <laughs> I don't have to look perfect online. I don't have to put um, a full face of makeup on and do my hair every time I maybe post a story on Instagram or every time I record something like I don't have to to be perfect in a corporate world especially in a, the position that I was in I had to you know dress the part <laughs> and it was a formal dress code and I always had to you know be very well dressed and look good you know Um and also you know as a stay-at-home mom obviously you're often in your sweats and you're like toys around you. And um, I just had to make that change, that mindset change that I don't have to look perfect every single time that I show up in front of my audience. You know, my audience doesn't really care that much about how I look. They care more about what I can help them with. Um, And so that's one thing that I had to unlearn. How would I describe all marketing school? Um, I would say it's fun especially as the positive marketing course that we did was a live cohort course. And so it was fun to interact with all the other students. Fab was amazing. All the, the teachers were so fun to learn from. And we had these little bits of fun quizzes and it it was just really well-planned and it made us feel like we were having fun learning, even though we touched on so many different things, so many different marketing lessons, and we had to put in quite a bit of work. It made us feel like we were a really tight community and we were all helping, helping each other. And... It made everything a lot easier and we enjoyed ourselves. So my word for old marketing school is
1: fun. And we're back by the magic of editing and the powers of Steph, the awesome Steph. Shout out to Steph. I don't give her enough shout outs. So thank you, Steph. We're back. Thank you, Becca, for being with us. It's always a pleasure. Never leave us again, please. And thank you. This is a public (laughs) pledge. This is a shameless public pledge to be like... I'm I'm never leaving. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We're safe. Okay. We have it on record, everybody. We have it on record. Um, If people have any questions about AI, any rants about Twitter, any uh, musings about YouTube, where should they go remind us? You could, well... I I don't know if I'm
2: best to talk about AI because I might I might fool you and send a reply using AI. But if you do want to talk to me, just I am at yeah, I'm at Becca Social on every platform. And, you know, maybe try one of those new ones that we've talked about called Threads. You know, come come hit me up there. Let's see if it works.
1: Come and find Becca on Threads. You probably want to find us on all the other platforms. I would say the ones that are a bit more um usual, uh, like Twitter or LinkedIn or ooh, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, as always, <laughs> you can find us at Alt Marketing School almost everywhere. Uh, but also you can find us at AltMarketingSchool.com or just be back next week. We're going to be back with more goodness, yet another social little roundup and news before we again have a bit of a break with some interesting memory lane snippets and bonus episodes. In the meantime, thank you so much for being here as always. Like, subscribe, review, do all the good things. Class is dismissed.